Welcome to episode 107 of Section 138. I'm your host, Mark Colley. As always, I'm joined by the incredible Brayson and Jacob. How are you guys? Doing good, thanks. Thank you for that intro. <laughs> yeah, I figured 107 episodes in, I have to change it up somehow. I'm taking a page out of Jacob's book, because Jacob, you always say something different. That's true. <laughs> yeah, I know. I just, I don't want to get too repetitive. You know, you want to change things up, even though, you know, like, it's fun to do this. You know, we got to kind of do things to change it up every once in a while exactly um okay well let's start things off um with the new player development facility that opened this week on thursday the blue jays gave us a virtual tour of their player development facility which has obviously been in the works for many years we've heard so much about it um whether it's discussions between the blue jays and the city of dunedin or um you know, previews of what it, it's going to look like and what the Blue Jays plan for it is. But this was our first look at what it actually is and what it contains on the inside. And it is very impressive. I mean, 22,000 square foot gym. There's a outdoor workout facility that's covered. There's, I think, six practice fields. There's uh, uh, hills for running um, exercises. There's a pool. There's water therapy. There's like a lecture hall for players, there's conference rooms. It's a very impressive facility, and it really puts the Blue Jays at the front of the pack in terms of player development and in terms terms of physical assets that the team has. Um, right up there with some other teams like the Cubs and the Brewers who have very, very good facilities. Um, right off the bat, what was your first impressions um, from seeing this? Because I was obviously very um, awestruck. It was very impressive seeing what the Blue Jays have put together. You know, funny enough, I was actually jealous that the Blue Jays and all their players get to actually go and and really work there and, and in some cases live there. You know, they're, they're, they're there all day and it looks amazing. I think uh, one thing that I think is funny is I do predict we'll see Gritchick getting uh, very frequent haircuts with the, their barbershop. <laughs> it, it definitely, it, the entire thing looks amazing. Um, personally for me, I think when I first saw it, it almost looked as if it was like the head office of Apple or something. You know, whenever they do their their presentation delivering like a new the a new uh, product that uh, they're in that like circular building and the the intro or the entrance to the building kind of looked like that to me but overall it's like it's a really cool thing uh, I like their Jackie Robinson tribute uh, and they had that sign saying bring back a, a championship to Toronto so it's clear that they're focused on what they want to do with this organization um, in terms of what this actually does for the team in terms of actually being functional in terms instead of just looking nice i the thing that i noticed is mark shapiro on the blue jays official instagram did kind of a q a with people and one of the things he pointed out about their weight room is the fact that the reason why it's so big and so intricate is because previously players were going outside to do uh any type of work whether it was personal just uh stamina training or, or weights or whatever they wouldn't be within the team and with their staff and now that they can do that, I think that maybe this gives the Blue Jays even more of an edge in terms of player development because now all of their workouts are going to be even more structured and more uh, more continuous with, with the staff and the people that they're always going to be with on the field. So it's it's a fantastic place. I would, you know, if I was a player, I would definitely want to be there. And it's just, it's, I'm starstruck. It's it's fantastic. Yeah, uh, the the revealing of it was kind of, it was very um, impressive because it was something that we kind of knew that was in the works, but maybe, uh, well, I personally did forget about it. I knew it uh, broke ground the past couple of years for sure. And it was funny because at the time the team was actually being made fun of because, because of how they were spending money on this, but they weren't spending money on players at the time, but look how much we've changed in those two years. But, and for all those people who are wondering why the Blue Jays will be starting the season in Dunedin since they can't come to Toronto, I think this new facility gives you a pretty good idea of why they want to stay here 
until they're allowed to come back to Rogers Center. Uh, very impressive. Uh, Mark Shapiro pretty much quoted this as, or at least the old facility was the the laughing stock of baseball in terms of what they had. And this is a massive upgrade when you look at it, Mark. You went over it. Multiple baseball fields. Um, there's uh, there's one baseball field in particular that's covered by a roof uh, for the rain, the batting cages, the bullpens. The new weight room is massive. There's multiple levels. And just looking at it, this all now, the pretty much where everything that anything accessible for the players is there, the hot tubs, the pools, uh, even the like the sitting area to eat, even for the minor leaguers that uh, they made a really impressive one for both. So it's not like there's a massive difference between the two. There's cool. The clubhouse, too, is massive. I, I don't know if you guys like it's it's three 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 thousand seven hundred fifty square foot uh, square feet. So it comes with a, um, a pin. A ping pong table and there's just lots of room in there it's a massive massive upgrade and it's really good for the player development and you know you the one thing too is you you have to imagine that it has something to do with the attraction of players around the game for player development you know george springer comes here now first year with the team and he's pretty much starting off with a brand new facility of course with everybody else and this is something that the team and especially management was very keen on doing ever since they got here we know that this was something that they had planned uh, from the start they're looking to upgrade Rogers Center in different ways, maybe a new ballpark down the road that we've discussed before. And these are one of many things that they've done other than actual, I guess, team management that they've done for the players and for their image around the game. So it gives them more recognition. And of course, the facility they go from compared to what they had, uh, it's just a massive difference. It's not even close. This is definitely up there in terms of the best or one of the best uh, facilities around the game. So very impressive work and, um, you know, perfect time for it to open up as we are one day away as we record this on Saturday from the Blue Jays beginning to play spring training games. Yep. And it's on Sportsnet, which we'll talk about later because um, there's some controversy there. But tomorrow, 105 p.m. versus the New York Yankees. It should be very exciting. Um, I think one of my favorite things about this, and Jacob, you alluded to it, but it has so much personality. Like, yes, it looks great like you walk into I mean the foyer the lobby that they showed like there's like marble tiles it looks fantastic but it does have a lot of personality it's Jay's theme there's a level of excellence area on the wall like you said there's a sign that says bring a championship back to Canada it has a lot of personality and it creates a a personality not just for the fans but also for the team and the players who are there and I think that's really exciting um Bryson you mentioned where this takes the Blue Jays from where they were prior to this to where they're going. And it they used to have a very bad facility. I mean, like, you go back to, I don't know, Michael Saunders in 2015, like stepping on a sprinkler and being out for the season, that was because of poor quality of a field at their spring training facilities, at their player development facility. And now that we're going from that, like, like you said, like Mark Shapiro said, being a laughing stock of baseball to being one of the best in baseball, it's really, really impressive. And it's really good for the Blue Jays. And when you think about it, not just one of the best in baseball, but one of the best baseball facilities in the entire world. Like that's really, really impressive. And the Blue Jays have made a strong step towards making their team better. And I think like, we do get caught up in the appearances of things and obviously it looks great and it's huge. Um, we saw the scale of it with the numbers that we got from the Blue Jays, but I think an underappreciated aspect of this is what it means for the Blue Jays over the next decades. Like player development is like the new frontier in baseball. I mean, you had like Moneyball in the early 2000s, you had like tracking stats, like spin rate, exit velocity, um, stack cast, all that stuff over the past few years. But I think player development is really where baseball is going. That's where teams can turn okay players into stars, into superstars. And that's the big market inefficiency we see in today's game. And I think the Blue Jays having this incredible player development facility, first off, it just shows where their priorities are, given that they spent so much money on this, but it shows that they truly, truly value and prioritize player development, which I think is incredible. It's the only thing you want to see a team do, especially when it's one of the, the real competitive advantages they can get over other teams. So I'm really impressed by this. I'm really excited to see what it does for the Blue Jays over the next years, decades, however long they use this facility. Well, also, I mean, when you look at a team like the Blue Jays with so many young players, and I mean, most of their core that currently is with them was once a young player in their system. And even now, they still have young guys in their system coming up. Uh, and it's just, 
it is like you said this is definitely the new new thing for baseball you know i i think it it is fair to say that baseball has one of the the longest uh player development time frame from when you're drafted or you're you know you're signed or whatever the case is to when you actually make it to the big leagues and the thing that I liked, actually, you guys both alluded to this and how Mark Shapiro is very confident in, the, in this. And he said in their in the Blue Jays' presentations to free agents and to other guys that this was not necessarily something that the players were overly, uh, that, that they mentioned a ton, but this was something that the Blue Jays mentioned in every single presentation and in depth because this really is a selling point. I said to you guys that I would, you know, if I was a player, I'd be, I'd love to play there. And the Blue Jays... They have, like you said, they have a very, very good player development complex and really just a bit, a great environment, and it is definitely a selling point. Yeah, it's all, it's been all about player development, and the first thing that these two or the new regime did when they took over in 2016 was, of course, rebuild that farm system that was previously depleted. So pretty much, uh, what they have now is the majority of them are a young team, and they are up and coming with a massive window that's just starting now. And it's just it's massively important for them to have a complex like this that will be available to the players and staff throughout the next however long uh, it'll be around for. But it's just it's great to see, and it's just something to um, I guess put more excitement to just because of the f- facility it is. It's, it's it's an exciting facility, and uh, player development is always what it's been for with these two guys. And yeah, it is definitely a trend with um, what we're seeing right now. Is there's been other things like uh, Mark, you nailed it with what we've been I guess changing or the game has been bringing along all these years. And player development is seem seems to be something that it's it's everywhere now. So that's why this facility definitely ranks within the top five, maybe top three. I'm, I'm not sure who has the better ones, but you mentioned that the Cubs and the Brewers have good ones themselves. So it's a very good selling piece to uh, future free agency and um, just anything to, I guess, be an attraction and recognition around uh, the game of baseball. It's finally exciting that not only are the Jays getting recognition with the team they have and the window they're getting, uh, they're going to be, you know, everyone's going to notice this new facility facility that's been recently opened up yeah and i think another thing like the blue jays didn't have to do all this like they could have kind of i guess maintained the status quo and just caught up to what the league average is doing like they had one of the worst facilities in baseball but they could have you know not spent as much money not spent as much time and just built a league average facility but they decided they made the conscious decision to get one of the best facilities in baseball. And I think we're going to see the rewards of that. Um, there was a couple weird things in that video. Uh, Jacob, you mentioned this, the barber. I like, does this just mean they're going to have a barber on staff now? Who's going to like stay there for, or do the players like bring in their own barber? I, I thought it was funny. It just, it, it's piqued my curiosity. And then another thing that I was confused by was the discipline rooms. <laughs> Which I thought was like you need specific rooms to punish players or these rooms like to show players, you know, video and stuff like that. That was another thing that confused me. And then there was also rooms dedicated to calls. Um, So I guess calls with family members for players or calls with virtual coaching staff. I don't know. There was a few things that I never thought a baseball team would actually need. But um, I guess the Blue Jays valued it. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of things that's going on. Um, you know, it, the barber thing kind of com- it kind of reminds me of what we went through, I guess, in the summer with the NBA of how in part of their bubble in Disney World there was a barber there twenty four seven, and you even see this in different video games now, like just things around like a community, like for example NBA as well. There's a barber sh- there's a barber shop on queue there twenty four seven. So maybe that's a new trend that's going, but a lot of it definitely seems a bit extra. The discipline room. Um, I guess like a privacy room, like for any type of phone call, like you said, but there's a cool video room that they have Uh, just a lot of, I guess, non-essential, but extra things that I guess peak it even more. So it's really exciting. And the one thing I want to relate it to is just because of the excitement that this brings or that this new facility brings, that's it. It brings my excitement personally too, for a, a future new ballpark, because if they were being that creative with the spring training facility, a a new park down the road whenever it'll be because of the uncertainty of where 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 we're at right now is just that once they eventually get to that point because it has been mentioned before which we found out a few months ago is that i mean they could easily get really creative with the, their next home as well and that would be very exciting to see what they do there but um very successful project that they did 
And it just gets me excited for their future home, which will likely be addressed at some point. Yeah, it's very exciting. Very exciting time to be a Blue Jay fan on the field, off the field. It's great. Okay, another thing that the Blue Jays did this week, they signed Tommy Malone to a minor league contract. He is a starting pitcher, but it's a question of whether he actually is a starting pitcher in the majors with the Blue Jays, given his numbers over the previous years. He is 34 And in 2020, he made nine starts with the Atlanta Braves and the Baltimore Orioles. He had a 6.69 ERA. Um, Obviously, not great. Some of his outlying statistics are good. Um, He had a 6.67 strikeout to walk ratio, which is, of course, very, very high. He had a 4.76 FIP. Of course, looking at his strikeout numbers plays into that. But it shows maybe he got a little bit unlucky. Maybe he was actually better than his preliminary numbers show. Um... This helps build out the depth for the Blue Jays. I mean, Jacob, you finally got your starting pitcher. <laughs> this is, <laughs> but not probably who you wanted the Blue Jays to get. We're not. We're not going back to that. We're not going through that road. We're not doing that again. Does this? Does this give it a B B plus off season for the Blue Jays instead of a B? Anyways, uh, yeah, let's not go down that rabbit hole. But do you see Tommy Malone breaking the rotation with the Blue Jays? Personally, I see it. I I think he's going to be. I, I think if he, you know, performs what his outlying stats showed he should have done in 2020, he's going to be one of the better starters in the Blue Jays rotation, which I don't think is a credit to him. I think it's a credit to how bad the rotation is. Um, but yes, I see him making the rotation. What do you guys think? I think in order for him to play for this team, it has to be out of the rotation because I saw a few tweets saying, you know, maybe he pitches out of the bullpen, but I don't really think that's likely because the Blue Jays have arguably one of the better bullpens in the league. It's, it looks fantastic right now, especially with uh, with some guys coming back from injury. But yeah, I think a starter is probably the most likely chance if he plays at all. Uh, Mark, you nailed it on the head. The, the Blue Jays, they really don't have very good or a very good starting rotation. They have Hyunjin Ryu, uh, Robbie Ray. Other than that, it's, it's just multiple question marks so he's definitely going to be within that within that uh audition you know he'll, he'll get some innings in here and there uh maybe some stretched out starts throughout the spring uh definitely do see this as a, as a legit thing uh baseball reference has him actually projected to have a 517 era and 100 innings pitched although you know it's a projection it, they're basing it off of you know most of his his numbers from last year so I don't know. I think he definitely does have a shot to make the rotation, which is primarily because the Blue Jays really don't have the greatest rotation. And that's that's not to say that he couldn't be a good pitcher. But I think if he, if he as a pitcher needed an opportunity to get to the rotation, this would be his because he just needs to outperform a few guys who he definitely has the ability to do. And then, you know, who knows where he goes from there. Once he makes the rotation, he could easily be, you know, your third or your fourth starter and then pitch seven, six, seven innings every, every five days and only give up three to four runs. So definitely do think it's likely, um, if he's not in the rotation, given that he is 34 years old and the Blue Jays bullpen is very good. I don't really see him playing, but yeah, rotation is, he's definitely an option for me. Yeah. I think he remains. I think he is an option. I think he'll remain an option throughout the season. I think he will start games. I just think that, uh, that fifth starter spot still is going to go to Steven Matz. Uh, there's a lots of competition that's going to be happening. Of course, there's lots of uncertainty. Um, Mark, I know you still project a Nate Pearson, or no, now you do project him to make the team. So there's a lot of, um, I guess those 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 first four now seem to be solidified between Ryu, Ray, Pearson, and Roark. But that fifth spot, of course, is up in the air, and there's lots of competition. I just I feel like Steven Matz is still going to get that spot. But when I look at it, it is pretty similar uh, career numbers between Malone and Matz. It's not too much different. Um, just Matz has the edge pretty much in most categories, including war. I just I don't know how I feel about uh, Malone starting the season with the rotation, but I do, I do think throughout the season he's going to have starts where... Uh, he will be with the team and he, you know the one thing about him too is he can be used as both he can come out of the bullpen and he can come out of uh, or he can start games and that's uh, could be the similar role to Steven Matt so there's a lot of similarities there as well and of course he's a lefty so that somewhat helps I just don't know um, how he'll do and he, he was another one uh, last year who didn't exactly have the greatest numbers he he did pitch 
in nine games and all those nine games he did start. So he didn't even come out of the bullpen and his ERA in 2020 split between the Braves and the um, the Orioles was 669. So it wasn't quite as bad as Steven Matz's 2020, but uh, he does remain an option for me, but definitely um, a depth signing. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't really know exactly what would happen with it, even if he didn't start. Um, there's a chance he goes to the minors, but there's also a chance he stays in uh, on the major league roster but comes out of the bullpen. There's lots of options that, I guess, surround him. Of course, the other lefties that we know are in camp, you know, someone else who is on a minor league deal, I guess fighting for a roster spot would be someone like Francisco Luriano. He's another lefty that comes to mind for me. So there's lots of um, depth that the Jays are building in here. And I'm curious to see how they'll handle all of that in the spring training games. I know they've started to release their pitchers who would, who will appear throughout the next couple of days, or at least starting on Sunday for sure. So they're definitely going to get creative and flexible, but Steven Matz for me remains that fifth starter. I don't know. I'm weirdly, optimistic about Malone because I know he had a bad 2020 but even if you look at his numbers in 2020 like looking at his game log he had really two bad starts he in the last game of the season September 9th um, he pitched 3.1 innings gave up eight earned runs and of course that was his worst start of the year Um, on August 30th um, against the Phillies he gave up seven runs in 2.1 innings and then I guess his first start of the year, um, which he actually opened the season for Baltimore um, against the Boston Red Sox, he gave up four runs in three innings. So, like, you can piece that together, but he had a run of four straight starts where he didn't give up a single earned run. Um, From August 2nd to August 19th, he didn't give up a single earned, or excuse me, he didn't walk a single batter, gave up a handful of earned runs. But the walks are another thing that I'm really confident about and and makes him look very good. Um, Going back to, to that span of time, from August 2nd to August, or September 4th, he only walked one batter, right? For over more than a month, he only walked one batter. Meanwhile, he struck out eight batters, three batters, two batters, seven batters, six, seven, three. So I, the strikeout and walk numbers are what's really encouraging me here. Because yes, the 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 numbers that are in your face, the earn run numbers, they aren't great on a couple of his starts. But when you look at the strikeout numbers and the walk numbers, it gives me faith that he can bounce back to at least what he was in 2019, which is, you know, a five earned run average player, which I think for the Blue Jays gives him a spot in the rotation. It's it's obviously not ideal, but I think it's good enough to get him a spot in the rotation. So I do see him spending significant time in the rotation, especially if there is an injury and the Blue Jays have a need there. Yeah, uh, he, you know, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt because I did the same with Steven Matz. So I'll, I'll play it fair because, of course, you know, 2020, there's definitely an asterisk beside pretty much everyone's stats, unless you're Mike Trout, where you expect things to happen. So when you look at Malone from 2019, his his ERA was actually below five. It was at 476. So I'm not sure. Yeah, that definitely would help your case there, Mark, for sure. And, um, he, you know, he's bounced around a lot, but he he will be an option. Like, I, I do think he will be starting games uh, throughout the year for them. So that's the one thing I would look at. But, uh, you know, his FIP was at five, so it's pretty similar. And um, it just, you know, I just, I, I don't know, but it's a good, de- definitely a good depth signing. And, um, you know, regardless if you're happy with it or not, he's 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 good on for camp and he'll be appearing in plenty of games. And I'm sure he'll get a decent opportunity as well to compete for that last roster or last starting spot because it's pretty much open at, a, like a whole uh, different variety of players. It's not just down to two people. It can easily be up to five, six, seven people. And it's going to be an important spring for those players who are fighting for that spot because, of course, it's the last spot in the rotation. And um, in spring training, you can either get a lot... You, there's a chance that you don't get a lot of opportunity. And when you get that short window of opportunity because of the innings that you don't pitch a lot, uh, you got to capitalize on it. So Tommy Malone, of course, is a veteran as well. So he knows what he's getting himself into. But yeah, I didn't really look too much at his advanced stats mark so you did a little bit more research than I did so I mean if you know that is the one thing about 2020 for starting pitchers is you could have at least had five four to five decent starts but it all all it took for that ERA to inflate was one or two mediocre to poor starts so that's that's why it would be an asterisk for me as well so uh, I would give him the benefit benefit of the doubt to compete for that last uh, starting spot for sure I think the last spot in their rotation is it's it's a weird thing. You mentioned just there with how many guys there are potentially competing for that spot. And Charlie Montoyo 
this week during the the plethora of interviews that we saw he said there was i think he said five six or seven you know he said there there are a million different guys that they're looking at that want to get that last that last uh rotation spot and when i look at the blue jays depth chart other than uh Jin ryu and robbie ray i really think that everybody else is fighting for a roster spot i mean they're the depth chart other than those three or other than those two plus nate pearson who i think is also a, a bit of a lock there's tanner roark there's steven Matz. ross stripling was even left there on mlb.com uh thomas hatch trent thornton anthony k tj zoic so there's so many different options and realistically most of those names are are going to either end up in the bullpen or in the minors or you know whatever whatever the case may be this season uh but I think Malone probably has the advantage here. He he definitely will, like I said this earlier, if he doesn't make the rotation, it's going to be minors or something else. And I do think he does have the benefit of the doubt in this situation because he is a lefty, he is a veteran, and hey, it just it, it only takes a couple uh, really good outings in spring training for the Blue Jays to say, you know what, maybe he is back to those uh, th- those early career numbers where he was still high threes, you know, around the fours, but... He's something that could definitely uh, improve the Blue Jays' chances and and make the rotation a, a little bit better than the mess that it currently is right now. One argument that I've heard from some people trying to justify um, the Blue Jays rolling with a rotation that's very uncertain is that they need to get some of these guys playing time, like Anthony Kay, TJ Zoic. They have to get starts at some point, and this year is kind of the last year that you can roll with a bit of uncertainty. I mean, the Blue Jays from this point forward are really all in on winning games. And this year in the rotation might be one of the last opportunities you have to say, okay, we're going to see what you got, TJ Zoic. We're going to see what you have, Anthony Kay. We're going to see if Simeon Woods Richardson is ready in the majors. Um, so one argument I've heard on, I, I mean, I heard on at the letters, it was Arden Zwelling and um, Ben Nicholson-Smith talking about it, but they said like, like one of the benefits of having uncertainty there is that you can put young guys in that role, see how they do. This is kind of their last chance to prove it. Does bringing up Tommy Malone and putting him in the rotation, is that a bad thing because it takes away playing time from some of these guys? Personally, I don't think it matters. I think the Blue Jays are already past that stage and they need to put their best foot forward. Um, So I'd like to see if Tommy Malone is the best starter to put him in the rotation. Um, but I definitely see the argument on the other side. But again, I don't think it's a very valid one. Uh, if you were to ask me that question or that debate in 2019, I think I'd have a different answer because we're at the point now where you need to put the best players on the field and you need to win games. You know, it's not if you're a rebuilding team and you want to see more of the young guys, I can understand the argument for sure. But we're in a different spot with this team right now. And that's why uh, for Tommy Malone, maybe starting more than somebody else, um, maybe starting more than somebody else. I just, I, you got to put the best player on your roster. And if Tommy Malone outperforms somebody like Anthony K, then unfortunately, then I would go with uh, Tommy Malone. So that's just how I see it. I think it's a different answer. If you're asking that question a couple years ago, compared to what we've seen now based off the course of the off season and the 2020 season that this team had. So that's why I look at it through uh, two different uh, scenarios. But right now for a team that's starting to contend now for a a decent to long period of time, you got to go with the best player that you get, uh, no matter the age, no matter the prospect ranking, no matter anything like that. It's got to be the best player, and it's simply going to be somebody. It's just simply going to be the guy who performs better in the spring and capitalizes on their opportunity. So that's that's the way I look at it. But the one thing too is all these guys are going to get opportun- decent opportunities. So that's why, um, you know, I'm not too worried about that. I think they're all going to have different roles. A lot of people. Players are going to come out of the bullpen one game, start the next game, and it'll probably circulate through the other guys who are the rest who are battling for that last spot. Yeah, I think the thing with the Blue Jays is their competitive window has, you know, it's officially started and you can't have uncertainty in your rotation to the point where you're losing games because of it. And that is really the big thing that the Blue Jays have going for them is they need to put out a winning team on the field like you guys just mentioned. And I don't think that all of these other young guys being or not being in the starting rotation means they're not going to play because we've seen Anthony K, TJ Zoic, Thomas Hatch, all these guys pitch out of the the bullpen and a lot of them were really good. I mean, Anthony K, I'm I'm really hoping he gets into the rotation one day because he has proved that he's he's a fantastic pitcher especially when he's on his game. So, 
I don't think that it necessarily means that the team is going to be at a disadvantage or at least those players in terms of their development or, or where they end up going if, if they're able to pitch in the rotation and if they miss their chance and you know whatever the case is I don't think that it's necessarily that I do think that th- they will still get time somewhere throughout the season whether it is in the bullpen or you know maybe with an opener they they end up doing that I, I don't know I think overall the Blue Jays I don't think they're missing out or, or making the wrong decision having a veteran even though they do have a lot of young guys who could very well be just as good or better Let's turn now to everything that's been happening in spring training and a couple of notes and things that we know um, people care about. The number one thing and the news I alluded to earlier with the games being broadcast, um, we found out yesterday via Rob Longley of the Toronto Sun that the Blue Jays are going to broadcast exactly zero games throughout the entire season on the radio. They are broadcasting games on the radio, but not with the radio team. They're rolling instead with a simulcast of Dan Shulman and Buck Martinez, who are going to be, of course, on TV. They're also going to be carrying that broadcast, just the audio of it on the radio. This upset a lot of people, myself included. We had already seen questionable decisions about broadcasting um, during spring training when the Blue Jays said they wouldn't be producing any of their own broadcast. Of course, they ended up producing three. Um, Sportsnet's going to carry 10 in total. Seven of them are going to be produced by other teams. Three of them produced by Sportsnet right up at the end of spring training. Again, a lot of people upset by this. You spend $180 million to put the best product you can on the field, and then you you know, you know, pull the cheap card and the expenses card when... It's, I don't know, uh, a, a generous estimate, a million dollars for the Blue Jays to put up a broadcast. You have the product on the field. The fans want to watch it. Why why cheap out when you're almost there? You're almost at the finish line. It's, I, I don't understand the decision. I think it's alienating a lot of fans at exactly the time when you have to bring them under the tent. And some people say, well, no one listens on radio anymore. Um, TV is where the future lies. And maybe that's true, but people do listen on radio. It, it might not be a sizable proportion of fans, but people do listen on radio. And you're a major league team. And to become the only team in the majors to not have a dedicated radio broadcast, that's unacceptable. It's just unacceptable. There's no way around it. It's a very, very dumb, poorly thought out decision by the Blue Jays. And I don't understand it. Other people might not be as mad as me because, yes, I listen to the radio a lot, but... I just don't understand it. Yeah, and see, I think that's the biggest thing. Personally, I don't listen to the radio anymore, and I don't think I have in probably, you know, four or five years. Uh, Primarily because I do stream, whether it's on my TV or my phone or whatever the case is. But I do know there are people, like you just said, there are people that watch it or listen to it on the radio, and I don't think we can ignore them because, you know, it's easy to say, well, I don't care because I don't watch uh, or I don't use my radio even when I'm in my car or whatever the case is. But there are people that do that, and even though the majority might not necessarily do that, it is still unfair because for not everybody is able to, to stream or to do uh, whatever it whatever it takes to actually watch a game. Maybe they they rely on listening to it or whatever the case is. You know, The big thing for me is I always listen to it when I was driving and realistically, that's the, the only time that I use it because you, know, you gotta be safe. You can't be uh, watching a game. But yeah, it is definitely a very, very questionable move. Um, Money talks, I think that's unfortunately the biggest problem. You know, the Blue Jays, they're already broadcasting with uh, Buck Martinez, Dan Shulman, hopefully Pat Tabler, uh, but we'll, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, But they're just going to emulate that basically on the radio. And it's just, it, it's a sad situation. I think the, the biggest issue for me is there are guys that do rely on this for their income and, you know, they, they do, you know, go on the radio every day and then they're going to miss, miss out on that or whatever the case may be. So it's just, it's a sad decision. Uh, I would like to see it because it is still interesting to listen and get a different take on, on the team. And it, one of the things that I always liked about the radio, I don't know about you guys, but for some reason, when you watch the Blue Jays broadcast on the TV, you don't hear the the announcer within the stadium calling guys out and saying, you know, now batting, blah, blah, blah. But you hear that on the radio and I don't know why, but that was just something that I love to hear. And it's just those little things that make you feel a little bit more connected to the game, even if you're not physically there. So it's just, 
it's a sad decision and money unfortunately talks i mean we've seen this all throughout sports where the nhl doesn't have extra uh after the first uh overtime period they just go straight to a shootout and it's just i absolutely hate that obviously it's very different but it's just overall it's it's a it's a sad decision and i i don't like it yeah uh well, yeah, Jacob, that's a good point because, um, yeah, you're pretty much uh, talking about, first of all, Tim Langton, who hasn't obviously called a, or done a PA announce or hasn't called a Jays game in a couple of years now because of what's been going on. But uh, a lot of techniques are used differently on the radio. And the one question I have, because I don't, this kind of, I kind of look past this or I didn't, for some reason, I didn't see this until Mark, you mentioned it in our group chat. So what's going to be happening with people like Ben Wagner and like what, what will be happening with them? Are they just going to be doing pregame shows? Is that what's going to be happening? Yeah. I think Ben is still going to be involved with the broadcast because he yeah. lives in Florida. He lives in Dunedin. So I think the plan is to have him as kind of like a sideline reporter. Like I guess like Hazel May would normally be if you remember like 2019 yeah. games. Yeah. So that see, that's, that's not fair. Like that's not what Ben Wagner signed up to do. And it's just unfortunate um, that, this or I guess this pandemic has caused certain things to happen and you know overall it's been a it's been a rough month for radio especially in this country um, I'm sure you guys are aware too the recent bell layoffs um, in t- for specifically for TSN they completely uh, shut down the Vancouver station and they completely shut down the Winnipeg station so a lot of a lot of jobs lost this month from radio and I for I guess it's obviously different Ben Wagner keeps his job but what I'm what I'm kind of alluding to or uh, comparing it to is that he's not doing the job that you know he's used to be doing and he's unfortunately going to have to uh transition to a a different role this season but even for people like uh buck pat and dan shulman who are going to be i guess yeah like on the radio now streaming or it's going to be uh casted on the radio it just it definitely puts them in a tough position too i just it's just i i don't know i i just i don't it's not a good situation all around i'm sure they can they'll be able to do it fine it just doesn't feel right and um, it's just, it's horrible to discover this and it's, it, this is uh, back to a full season too. So this is going to be a long time without a game being called on five, the five or five ninety. So that's just, it's, uh, it's unfortunate. And regardless if people don't listen to the radio as much anymore or not, you still should have it around and that, and it, it's so many jobs that you are keeping and so many jobs that are being lost right now with these cuts. And we've seen it all across uh, the radio this month with um, in this country and it's just it's it's very unfortunate but uh, definitely not a well-received response from anybody who would support this or not even people who don't watch or don't listen to games on the radio should still be unhappy with this it's just pretty much taking away another perspective of listening watching a game because many people do still listen to games and of course Jacob you brought up that you have to be safe and listen to the games um, that's people still drive and listen to the game so like that you know, I don't, it's just, um, it's just sad that this is, it came to this, unfortunately, and the different types of cuts and losses that we've gone through this past year financially. Yeah. It's not something that only affects people who listen to games on the radio. It's going to hurt the TV broadcast as well. Cause both Buck and Dan have done games on the radio before. I think Buck was a radio broadcaster. I want to say with the Orioles at one point, I know Dan has done ESPN, a lot of games on the radio. Both these guys are fantastic broadcasters. They know how to do games, whether it's on TV or radio. But to do both at the same time, it's going to hurt both the TV product and the radio product. They're going to have to be straddling the line between, you know, describing things versus in TV. A lot of times you would just embrace silence and crowd noise, even though we're not really going to have much in the way of crowd noise. You would just embrace the sounds of the game if you're on TV, because you don't have to describe it. But on radio, it's a different dynamic. So to just expect them to do the same thing, no matter what medium people are listening on, it puts them in a tough decision position, and it's going to hurt the, the listening experience on both mediums. Um, and enough, like, I do understand that this is a business decision. Like, Rogers is not a charity. They are obviously focused on the bottom line and what fattens the money that they have in their pockets but you are a major league team you have a responsibility to put forward a certain quality of broadcast a certain quality of product and just cutting out the radio entirely because it suits your own means that's not professional 
That That's not what professional organizations do, what professional teams do. It's a stupid, stupid decision. And like I said, it's going to hurt the team in the long run. And honestly, I don't see them coming back from this unless there's a huge fan outpouring like we're seeing right now. Um, and they reverse this decision this season, I don't see them coming back from this. They say it's because of the pandemic. They say it's because it's too hard to do radio broadcasts, but that is simply not true. I mean, we saw last year, they broadcast Jay's games on the radio with Mike Wilner and Ben Wagner in the studio in Toronto, and maybe Ben Wagner can't travel across the border right now because he lives in Dunedin, but that doesn't stop them from still doing broadcasts with Ben Wagner, maybe someone else who's in Florida because Mike Wilner is no longer employed by the Blue Jays. Maybe it's J.P. Aaron Sibia who lives in Florida. Like, there are other options for the Blue Jays. They, and it's I do not believe that it's become because of the pandemic. I think it's because they just don't want to pay that money and they're not going to bring it back and it's going to hurt them in the long run and it's extremely unprofessional to be the one team in Major League Baseball without a dedicated radio broadcast. It's it's such a dumb decision from Rodgers, and that's all I have to say on it. I'm a little bit riled up, if you can't tell. But another storyline that we've been watching this spring is Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who showed up to camp weighing 42 pounds less than he did at the start of summer camp last year. Um, a lot of people very impressed with what he's shown. Of course, he does look leaner, and he looks better, and he said... Even doing just, you know, exercises in the infield drills, he can tell that he has more stamina, more flexibility, more energy moving around. So it's obviously great to see. This is something we're keeping track of. I don't know how much it matters. I mean, I think it's going to improve his performance on the field, but I don't think it's going to be a miracle cure by any means. I think it's more than his weight. The fact that he was just working so hard over the offseason, that's the thing that's going to help him the most. Like I said, not going to hurt him. Losing weight is probably a good thing in the long run, but I don't think this is a magic pill for him. I think the media is going to definitely uh, overplay this because the fact that we're talking about this and instead of saying, you know, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is performing better in spring training or whatever, we're making it a lot about his weight. And I think the media is is definitely using it as a selling point. Um, I don't think that necessarily getting thinner getting leaner, you know, losing losing the body fat, gaining the muscle is going to be the be-all, end-all for him. He definitely still has to put in work. And one of the things that I noticed last year when he was in or at first base is I don't think necessarily it was his stamina that, that really got to him in the position or in the in the field. I think a lot of it was just the, the lack of, of intuition. And there were so many plays where instead of going to first base, he tried to, to get the ball and play it. And then the infielder or the the second baseman or the pitcher had to go run to first base so he could throw. So that is, I think, the biggest thing he needs to work on. Uh, I think sticking at first base or sticking to third base, you know, sticking at one position will be the, the key for him. But yeah, losing weight, you know, g getting uh, overall in better shape will benefit him. And a couple weeks ago, I, I don't know if we mentioned this, but he said that Vladimir Guerrero said that the purpose of all this weight or one of the, the biggest things that he noticed is when he was at the plate and he was taking, you know, four or five, six swings, he would feel uh, almost very tired towards the end of the at-bat, whereas now he can almost stay there and, and continuously go through that that jolt of energy and and not lose his energy, not not compromise the, the, the longer at-bat. So it's definitely, it's not the be-all, end-all, but it definitely is a good step in the right direction. And hey, it's if it helps the team win and it makes him be the player we've all expected him to be, then I'm all for it. Yeah, this has been a constant story uh, since the offseason. And it's, you know, lots of pictures of, or he's been posting videos of him doing this. So this is something that, of course, we've all expected to happen uh, since the season ended. Something that he would, the Jays wanted him to work on. And a part of me believes now, or almost me fully, is that this move that he had last year to first base, and it goes back to your point, Jacob, it's just that he had a very short... Uh, window to adjust to the position and that could have obviously had a big impact on that but of course the reason for that was probably of him showing up overweight to summer camp so uh, you know he did lose some weight prior to the original spring training but uh, from what we know is that he the summer camp when the team re or re-reported reported once again sorry in Toronto is that he showed up a lot heavier than he was a few months back so that kind of forced their hand to make this move quick I think that they wanted to 
slowly transition him over but unfortunately he had to go right away and that could obviously have an impact on why he struggled at times but at the plate uh we still has we still haven't seen the what we think the fully Vladimir Guerrero Jr. uh were expecting from what we saw in the minor leagues and obviously the weight problems have been a factor for years and it's the one thing that we or one big part that uh is the belief that the reason why he's been held back a little bit so very interesting. Uh, I don't think it changes too much on his status for third base, unfortunately. I think he will get some reps, but with the recent, you know, we'll talk about a player in the next segment who is going to be taking more reps at third base. So that also doesn't look too good for him. Kevin Biggio is expected to open as the primary third baseman, but for Vladimir Guerrero Jr., the one thing for him is that his weight loss definitely should be able to help him at the plate. Of course, he's going to be lighter. He should be able to swing the bat faster. And this is the one thing that fans have been calling for for a few years. So Vladimir Guerrero Jr., of course, uh, even admitted a couple years ago, or maybe it was last year, that he still, you know, come, since coming over from the Dominican, he's never really touched a weight before. So he finally changed that uh, last year, and he has begun to get himself in better shape. Like I said, it's been going on throughout the offseason. He played in the Dominican Winter League, and he played third base over there. He did okay, didn't do the best, and he's still going to get some reps at third base this spring. But it, unfortunately for him, a move back to third base does not seem like it's going to be happening. Uh, maybe some reps here and there. We went over and over under of how many games he would appear at third base, and we we were all pretty low on that. And you know, assuming anything changes from injury, it seems that he will open the season uh, pretty much platooning with Rowdy Tellez between first base and uh, DH. So for Vladimir Guerrero Jr., it's very exciting because the one thing we've called for, and he does look very he does look leaner, so it's 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 noticeable. So. Good for him for putting in the work since the season ended, and we are hoping now we get that that season from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. where he breaks out. The season that we finally see the Vladimir Guerrero Jr. that we've all been hyping up since he's been in the minor leagues, and we haven't gotten to that point yet. We've seen flashes, of course, and we've seen many struggles both uh, on the field and at the plate. So it's um, it's interesting to see where what happens next, and starting tomorrow, we're going to have a somewhat of an idea once the Jays start playing games. So I don't know if he will be in the lineup for sure tomorrow. I know that the team did release the lineup for tomorrow already, which is a little bit strange, but uh, good for us that we got to see what we'll, what lineup will be on the field tomorrow. And for Vladimir Guerrero Jr., you, you hope nothing but the best. And this team really needs him for that breakout season that we've been hoping for for the past couple of years now. Yeah, and I think the one thing that plays into his hand is that the Blue Jays don't have a definite third baseman. Like, yeah... Kevin Biggio is going to be there most of the time, I think, but who knows how that works out. Maybe it doesn't work out as we're expecting it to, and Guerrero then gets a chance at third base. Again, I don't think that's likely, but I think that helps him out a little bit. Um, and he seems to still have his mind set on being a third baseman, but the Blue Jays seem to just not be buying that at all. I mean, they said, Charlie Montoya said, the goal is for him to be a gold glove first baseman. Um, that's what they're trying to do. They're not trying to move him to third. They're not trying to mess with anything. And just on the, the topic of weight, like I, I don't think it really helps him all that much defensively. Like you said, Jacob, the, the mistakes he was making were mental mistakes. Um, and I think, you know, maybe it helps him offensively because, I mean, we saw him having trouble with his swing in 2020, just like hitting the top of the ball, not getting under it, not lifting it, which was the main problem. He has the exit velocity. He just doesn't have the, the, uh, the launch angle on it. Um, it's all just line drive outs. Um, and maybe that helps him maybe losing weight helps him increase the launch angle. I don't know, but I think that's the thing we're going to be looking at. Um, you mentioned it, Bryson, another player, Lourdes Goriel Jr. We talked about him last week playing at third base, playing at first base. Looks like he's going to be more at first base than third base. That's what the Blue Jays are saying. Again, just a late-inning situation type thing. He has also bulked up this offseason. He gained 8 pounds, apparently, we've heard, in muscle. He's up to 215, which is obviously encouraging. Not much to talk about there, but Randall Grishik is another guy with some positional flexibility that we're going to be seeing. Um... The Blue Jays have apparently told him that he's just moving over to right field right now. And he said he thinks he's strongest in right field. That's how he helps the team the best. Um, but he's also going to be slotting in a designated hitter, he said. He said he's expecting to be at DH. Um, this is par for the course. We knew the Blue Jays would have to move him somewhere with George Springer coming along and already a jam-packed outfield with Guriel and Hernandez. Um, 
I don't know if it makes sense to give him DH reps over a guy like Rowdy Telez when Rowdy Telez seems to have better offensive numbers and is certainly the future of this club. Well, Randall Grishik, I think, is a placeholder, if not the past. Um, so that's where I stand on this. But again, you have to play him somewhere. You're paying him, what is it, $11 million a year. You have to put him somewhere. So this is, I think, the best solution. Putting him in right field some days, DH some other days. I don't think that he's necessarily going to DH a lot this season. I think you just mentioned with Rowdy Telez, he's going to he's going to be your primary DH or your first baseman. Him and Guerrero are, inter- are interchangeable. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez also exists. I, I don't think that he, in a day that where he's not playing on the field, is just going to be out of the lineup because you know he's your silver slugger last year. He hit 289. He had 16 home runs. You know he was absolutely fantastic last season and. Do we expect the same numbers from him this season? Well, I mean, I hope so. I, I think he will be also he will be one of the cornerstones of this lineup. So I don't think that we'll see him missing out on every couple games because Grichik is playing in the in the outfield or or whatever the case may be. But yeah, I, I kind of expected this. Uh, it's just going to be a platoon from from here on out. Uh, Grichik, if I'm not mistaken, has two years left on his deal, so it's just they're just you know, they're just getting through the, the, the rest of it, but you know, no disrespect to Grichik. I do, I do like him and I think he, he does play a role on this team, but it's, it's just the Blue Jays have a very crowded uh, outfield right now. And they're, they're three starters right now with Grichik, with Guriel, Springer and Hernandez, you know, they're going to get the majority of the, of the time in the lineup, whether it be on the field or, or via a DH, but primarily uh, Hernandez doing that uh, type of stuff. Yeah, and just uh, well, just until you brought his name up, I was gonna, I was gonna open it off saying the one guy who we haven't spoken about yet is Teoscar Hernandez. He's a right fielder too. So th- I have a lot. I have an idea, and I have some sort of a prediction or a, a hot take. Not as much of a hot take. I just think, you know, I want to get your thoughts on this. It just, it, it doesn't. First of all, Teoscar Hernandez also DHs too, and we all know he, his previous struggles in right field. Uh, Rowdy Telez, of course, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Those are three guys right there. Randall Grichik. It just doesn't seem like there's room for him. Uh, the one thing I want to ask is, well, first of all, it, what's more likely for him to do? Because if, is he going to DH or platoon, as we're saying, as much as he will this year? Or will he eventually get traded? Because I see a trade coming this year where he's... I don't think he lasts the year on this team, to, to be flat out straight and simple. I think he is dealt at some point. I just... I don't like the way... It looks for him right now. I know they say he will. First of all, the the one thing that it is true is that he will be moving to the corner outfield now, of course, from Springer. But you have Teoscar Hernandez, who is a better player. I think we can say that now. Um, we have DHs. Rowdy Telez, you want to throw him in there. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Teoscar Hernandez, who DH. Those are three people alone that DH, and you want to add a fourth guy in there. It doesn't seem like I'm not getting good vibes with Randall Grichik being here I don't know how long he'll be here for, maybe until the trade deadline, maybe before that. But what do you guys think of that? Do you think he's traded as well for sure at some point? Because for me, it just seems that his opportunity and window and playing time, everything about him on this team right now seems to be cutting it short. It seems to be almost done. It's coming to an end. Yeah, I mean, I have the quote right here. He was talking about he thought he was going to be traded over the offseason. He said, when we thought we signed Brantley, everybody kind of thought they were going to get traded. I know I was talking to Tio and Guriel a little bit this offseason, and it was kind of crazy. You always have it in the back of your head if you're going after outfielders. So he was thinking the exact same thing, that he's going to be traded, and we think it's in the Blue Jays' plan. So yeah, I don't think it's far-fetched. I think the one thing stopping it is that Grishik isn't all that great, so a lot of teams aren't going to want to get him but I think there's definitely offers out there that the Blue Jays could get and clear up a little bit of a log jam perhaps improve starting pitching so I think you're right that he won't last a year um, I'd be eyeing a trade deadline deal I don't think it's going to happen before that I think if the Blue Jays could have traded him already they would have but the opportunity isn't there and I think the opportunity will come about at the trade deadline I think the Blue Jays also need to kind of put into perspective the type of return they want for for Grichik because by himself you know I I don't think a lot of teams were really asking about him but if the Blue Jays want to throw in you know a prospect or or somebody else or what you know whatever the case may be to get some type of you know pitcher 
whether it be starting pitching, you know, I'm not going to say bullpen because, you know, barring any injuries, this bullpen is fantastic. So it really just does depend on what the Blue Jays are willing to give up in terms of guys outside of Grichik because, like you just said, they, they, they have four everyday outfielders competing for three everyday spots. And if they're able to trade Grichik, it will be likely at the trade deadline and they will inevitably have to give up some type of other return because you know Grichik's a nice guy he's a great player or he's he's a good player but I don't think that the Blue Jays can really or any other team can really justify giving up you know a a uh, middle of the rotation starter for him just uh, on the premise of him alone yeah the one thing that the one thing if it does happen is first of all maybe that helps the return Jacob and you were going through some scenarios is that they're going to have to eat at least at least half, probably more than half of that remaining contract or the remaining salary that he has. It just, yeah, I understand the the rumors. Of course, we were talking about it a lot. There was the Gurriel rumors back when Lindor was on the block, and it seemed that if the Jays, well, first of all, they were finalists apparently, but if if that actually went through, uh, there is a good chance that Gurriel would have been in, in, included in that or someone like Richick, but. Um, I think Gurriel is more likely to stay now just because of uh, what he brings. And first of all, I just don't think there's a reason to trade him now. Uh, I think you have the best team you can possibly have now. And giving him up, I just don't see, unless it's somebody else that comes up at some point this year on the trade block, I don't see the need to give him up. But for Randall Gritchick, I think it's just a matter of them struggling to find someone. But yeah, I just, I'm not too, you know, a lot of people are talking about I think a lot of people are very confused as well, just because, just about his role, because, you know, you don't know how many, because ever since he came here in 2017, he's been playing every day. So I don't know if that changes to, for, I guess, the rest of his time here. Maybe he's not in the lineup every day as he was normally has been, but yeah, they're just, his opportunity or window just seems to be running out uh, compared to someone like Teoscar Hernandez or Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Because I think they're going to, I think it's safe to say they'll be in the lineup almost every day, but for someone like Randall, even Rowdy Tellez and uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., but for someone like Randall Grichik, it just does not, unless barring any injuries, it does not give you any idea or any hope if you're a Randall Grichik fan that you're going to be seeing as much of him as you're used to in 2021. I don't want to be too harsh, but it just seems like he never made sense for the Blue Jays. I know there was a point in time when they had, like, he was the best they could do in the outfield, but it just well, seems why, like right? a five-year yeah. extension in what was that's it 2018 why. like it in hindsight it just seems like it never made sense i know hindsight's 2020 and it's easy to forget the lean years of 2018 2019 but just never seemed like he was a good fit for this team some dark times in those couple of years but yeah like we we discussed that trade or not that trade sorry that extension uh what was it probably a month ago now at the time it made sense now when you look at it it's 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 not the best um but, you know, you, unfortunately, if you lost Grichik at the time, you would have had nobody else. So it's just, I don't, I, don't, I don't know what would happen with him if they ever find a suitor for him. But uh, just that, that money that he's guaranteed or owed for the next couple of years, the Jays are going to have to pretty much, I feel like they're going to have to eat most of that, uh, at least. At least half for sure. A little bit more than that. But yeah, just right now, it does not make sense. But you're, you're stuck with him now. And um, I guess he had a decent season last year offensively better than what he did have but near the end he's cooled off and that's why probably over a regular 162 game season you would have just saw a, re- a similar Randall Grichik but um yeah I just I just got that bad feeling about him uh not playing as much as he will be this year so you know but the the Jays have better players and this this time around they are better on the depth chart and more prepared and it's that's why it won't make much of a or much of a difference at least it won't be um you know it's just someone that you're not going to be wondering hey where's Grichik where's Grichik it's just you know he's going to be platooning he's going to be coming off the bench they're going to get creative with him and try and get him in as much as possible but the truth is there's just not room for him right now to start every day yep okay the last name we have to mention is Nate Pearson um we talked about it a little bit earlier whether he makes the rotation, I think we're all in agreement that he will. Um, but the Blue Jays are kind of hedging their bets a little bit. They're um, not making their plans for Pearson clear. Um, there's been some talk about pitch limits, um, about stuff like that. Um, Nate Pearson has said that he understands the Blue Jays will have to get creative with his usage. Um, and that he said the Blue Jays don't really have a plan for him yet. Um, Charlie Montoyo said they are not going to use him out of the bullpen. 
which is interesting because Nate Pearson said he was open to anything, including um, piggybacking off an opener or starter. So different things that we're hearing from different guys. But um, I mean, I've changed my mind. I know I said originally that I thought he would start the season in AAA, but the fact is the Blue Jays have no one else. So I think he's in the rotation. But yeah, I think the Blue Jays are really, really cautious with him. I think it's you know, three innings or four innings every time out just because of the injury history he's had. I know he had, I think it was a concussion at one point in his career or he got hit by a pitch coming back at the mound and he was out for a while. Um, kind of a freak injury there, but last year he was injured, didn't look very good. So I think the Blue Jays are going to be really, really cautious with him, but I think they're going to have to keep him in the rotation because they got no one else. Exactly. They're going to need to at least preserve him to a degree. And also given that this season is a full season, the Blue Jays, they can't afford to lose him, you know, two months into the season. And then, you know, there goes one of your top starters. But the thing with this is I really don't buy any of the, of the uncertainty that they're, the, the team is that they're, they're projecting to the media. I don't think that, that Nate Pearson is really pitching anywhere other than the starting rotation. And now that we know he's not going to the bullpen, I don't. I think that he's a lock to make this rotation because of the fact that one, I think he is going to be good for them this year, but also, like you just said, Mark, and like we've said all throughout the offseason, and I was, you know, clearly the most angry about it. But the Blue Jays do not have a good starting rotation, other than Hyunjin Ryu. He's their ace. They have Robbie Ray, who is a lock to make the rotation. You know, you can argue that someone like Stephen Matz, uh, maybe Anthony Kay. Tanner Rourke, you know, their options, but this is not the rotation that can afford to give up somebody that is going to make them a competitive team. So I do predict Pearson makes the rotation. This really didn't change any of my opinion because I've I've been a lock for this the entire offseason. Um, all they really got to do is they make sure they do this correctly and they don't, you know, end up overworking him or doing something like that. And maybe he is their opener. Maybe he pitches three, four innings and then you know, Anthony Kay or, or Ross Stripling or Tyler Chatwood or whoever it is, they come out of the bullpen. I don't know. The, the Blue Jays will have to be creative, but Nate Pearson is making the starting rotation unless somehow everybody else on their depth chart way outperforms him or he proves that he is not ready. I don't know for sure, but this has definitely been referenced in the past, probably with Nate Pearson again, because I feel like we have talked about this before, but it's very similar to the days when Aaron Sanchez was young on this team and... Um, I, I, the only thing I do remember was that creative transaction they did in 2015 where they optioned him to like, it was rookie ball Bluefield uh, for like, it was like a week or something like that. And they brought him back up for, I believe it was something with service time. And of course the, I guess we, the new term in sports is load management. And for someone like Nate Pearson, it's, it's expected. And for fans questioning why Tommy Malone was signed, this is exactly why you add more names into the mix. You get more creative and um, the one thing is, Jacob, I know you repeated yourself about your unhappiness with the starting rotation. So I will simply repeat that it is the offseason and free agency is not the only place where you can add, which is why at some point a starting pitcher in uh, some point in 2021 coming here, maybe via, via the trade deadline, of course, uh, was something that you cannot rule out. And the, something that you have to or any fan that needs to um, just keep in mind that there is a chance that something can happen at some point this year to improve the rotation even more, maybe put together more of a playoff uh, rotation so this team could contend and go farther in the playoffs and what we expect them to do right now. So, but for Nate Pearson, it's it's not it's not uh, surprising, um, you know, regardless of how they handle it. Maybe the second half he starts less or pitches less. Maybe at the beginning they slowly ease him in. There's so many ways they can go with this. And uh, they have lots of options to maybe give him a rest, um, give him an extra off day, move him around. It's just there's so many things they can do, but uh, not surprising whatsoever. There's hit injury history, and of course, uh, the factor that he's young, and you know, you just ha you fear the you fear the worst. And I'm not going to say the surgery for pitchers because I don't want to talk. You know, everyone fears that those that that those two names for uh, pitchers. So don't you speak know, it into existence. Yes, we don't talk about that, but you know, you everyone knows exactly what I'm talking about. So there's there's that and of course the injury history not surprising and I hope they get creative with uh, Pearson this season he's it's going to be an important season for him as well to uh, show him to take that next level of course he was injured last year so for a good chunk of the season he came back as a reliever unfortunately they didn't have time to ease him back in the, the team was competing uh, close to a playoff stretch so they you know you weren't at that or you didn't have that um, insurance you know 
that ability as you would in a full season to ease him back in and have that time. They didn't have that time. So uh, Nate Pearson for sure is going to be looking for a dominant 2021, or if not a dominant, he wants to take that next step in his development to become that dominant starting pitcher down the line. He's still got his rookie status. So we'll finish the pod with this. I just want a one word answer. Yes or no. Rookie of the year, 2021. Is it possible? No. Yes. I think he's good, but I, I don't think that... <laughs> You're talking yourself out of it. Oh, God. I, I don't know. I, there are no... Okay. So what rookie would <laughs> what, what rookie would do better than him? Hold on. Let me, let me go on Google real quick. Well, yeah, that's... I don't know. I say yes. I say it's possible. We'll end it there. It's possible. Come on. <laughs> I think yeah, it's possible. He's good enough to do it, but he's going to have to beat out a lot, of, uh, a lot of other guys that... So it is possible. Google is telling me. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a fun way to end it. Let's end it there. A um, little bit of a long one today, but we have spring training baseball starting tomorrow. Finally, it's very exciting. I'm sure in a week we're going to be exhausted of it already, but we're thrilled as of now. <laughs> Bryson, you're shaking your head. But okay, so as always, our Patreon, you can chip in a couple bucks. You can join us on our patron only Discord. You can choose the intro and outro music to the podcast. You can ask your questions on the podcast. Lots of exciting benefits. Get access to bloopers, which I can tell you there were a couple in this episode that were edited out. Um, And then you can also head over to Apple Podcasts. Give us a rating and review. Head over to at Section138Pod on Instagram and Twitter to follow everything we're doing and to... I don't know, we make some fun posts. You would have seen a post of our Discord messages harassing Jacob from his B grade for the off season. So go follow us there and we'll catch you next week.